every single marketer and every single brand should be attempting to earn a disproportionate share of conversation. If you work for an organization where they say, bring us a chart that goes up and to the right, you have a challenge. Half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. The trouble is, I don't know which half. I am here to inspire you, to excite you, to motivate you, to transform you, to energize you. Hello and welcome to Pipeline Visionaries. This episode features an interview with Ben Slater, SVP of Marketing at Beamery, a talent lifecycle management platform that empowers companies to understand the skills and capabilities they have, build more agile workforce plans, and attract, retain, upskill, and redeploy their workforce. In this episode, Ben encourages companies to think about the future of their workforce, shares why internal marketing efforts are often overlooked but shouldn't be, and why leadership should have their hands in choosing talent. Ben also talks about how creating demand starts with a story and how they go about just that at Beamery. But before we get into it, here's a brief word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Qualified. If you're a revenue team that runs your business on Salesforce, Qualified will accelerate your lead generation, pipeline, and ultimately revenue. Learn more at qualified.com. So please enjoy this interview between Ben Slater, SVP of Marketing at Beamery, and your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Pipeline Visionaries. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios, and today we are joined by a special guest, Ben. How are you? I'm great, man. Great to be here. Excited to have you on the show. We've known each other for a little while here, so finally getting a chance to, to talk in public about all the great things that are going on at, at Beamery. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to it. And today's show is always brought to you by our friends at Qualified. Qualified is the number one conversational sales and marketing platform for companies' revenues teams that use Salesforce. Head over to Qualified.com to learn more about how you can have smarter, faster conversations with your buyers right on your website, Qualified.com. Ben, starting off, what was your first job in marketing? Ooh, so I slowly fell into marketing. I started my career with you know, different jobs in, in finance and PR, and I ended up getting in at the ground floor of, of a startup in a, in a pretty all-encompassing commercial role, and that has kind of evolved into building and leading marketing teams across a couple of high-growth startups, and the current business actually is a good example. So Beamery, I've built and led marketing from pre-revenue to post-Series D, you know, unicorn valuation. So it's been a fun journey. Tell us a little bit about what it means to be SVP of marketing at Beamery. What's the scope of your role? Yeah, so the, the scope is pretty broad. It encompasses, I guess, all the different aspects of marketing. So the team is is broken down into three core groups. We have revenue marketing, product and solution marketing, and then corporate marketing. So that's you know, customer marketing, social content. The BDR group at Beamery also reports into Beamery, into, into myself. I love it. And we're going to dig real deep into that throughout the rest of the episode. Let's get to our first segment, The Trust Tree. With the knowledge you've been given, you are now on the inside of what I like to call the circle of trust. What, I thought we were in the trust tree with, in the nest, are we not? Which is where you go and feel honest and trusted and share those deepest, darkest pipeline secrets. Zooming out, what does Beamery do? I'll take a sort of step back for a second. So what we see across society is we have this accelerating pace of transformation. And, you know, businesses, governments, societies, right, are 
as struggling with skill and talent gaps. So what we do at BMRI is we provide a single platform to help organizations understand the skills and potential that they have today in their workforce, where the gaps are. And you know, we provide them with a technology stack to either help them hire externally to fill those gaps or to develop the talent that they have in-house to build the workforce they need in the future. So we call it talent lifecycle management. And that's really because we're helping organizations with every stage of the journey from planning to talent attraction to hiring to, to upskilling and, and to mobility as well. And what are the types of customers that you're working with? Yeah, so the we're very focused on really the world's largest businesses. So it's, you know, Fortune 500, Global 2000 type accounts. So it's businesses like you know, Accenture, Wells Fargo, Amazon. Our sweet spot really is around organizations that have a high degree of complexity and those that are looking to bring in a continual flow of high-skilled labor, right? Because for those organizations, talent tends to be, or talent challenges tend to be the most acute. What does that buying committee look like? Who are the different people that are involved in that purchase? Yeah, so the the core buyer for us is is an HR. But as with many enterprise sales, we have touch points in in IT and in finance. And what's been really interesting to observe over the past you know eight to ten years is that talent has gone from you know something that is talked about as a as a corporate priority to something that is very much, you know, number one on the CEO agenda, right? I think business leaders are painfully aware today that if they don't transform their workforce, they're going to be in trouble in the future. And, you know, we've seen HR go from a, a business unit that's trying to get a seat at the table to one that is, that, is, that, is, that is primarily strategic within the organization. So, you know, we've been proud to be part of helping to power that change. And it does mean that now, when we think about the value proposition that we have to businesses, it tends to be a lot broader than just talent. It tends to be, you know, how is the organization thinking about the future of their workforce and how will that allow them to achieve certain business objectives? You mentioned sort of the CEO being such a key stakeholder in talent. And obviously, talent lifecycle management impacts the entire sort of company. I'd imagine that, you know, those key C-level stakeholders are important sort of no matter who they are. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously for us, the the primary stakeholders are still going to be on the HR side. But if you think about the role of a business leader, right, a, a departmental leader, their, their role is to ensure that they have the right people in their group to meet business objectives, right? And often those people are the ones that don't actually have a, a good lens on the skills that they have in their in their team today, where the gaps are and how best they can go to fill them. Also a goal of ours to provide those people, those business leaders with those kind of structured workforce insights, not just the folks on the HR side. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's what's so interesting about any, you know, HR solution. I, I used to, you know, work in HR. Back then, when you're thinking about sort of like your workforce planning and you're thinking about talent and you're thinking about all those things, like it's every single business unit is thinking about their own talent. They're worried about it. It's not just the CEO, like you said, which is, I think it's uh, every year is like the number one priority that CEOs talk about is, is their talent. But also all those business unit leaders, like that's their number one priority is figuring out how to, you know, keep, retain, upskill, you know, all those things to, to make their workforce better. And so they are key stakeholders in this, even if they're not in the buying decision at all, right? Exactly, right? And I think the... 
The other thing that's changed in the world of talent planning, right, is that, you know, every organization starts the year with with a plan. And the reality is, is that often after a couple of months, that plan is no longer fit for purpose. And, you know, I think we're at a point now with with AI and different types of technology where we can actually allow managers to adapt those plans on the fly, right, and to leverage the insights that, the, that obviously businesses like Beamery can provide around the skills that they need to achieve business objectives, right? You know, what's missing and, and how they go out to close those gaps. So to give you an example, let's say there's an opportunity to acquire a company, you know, how should a leader think about that opportunity, right? What are the skills that they might be able to bring in through that acquisition? Is How does that compare to hiring those skills in the same market, right? So I think we can we can start to give business leaders almost decision intelligence around talent which is a very different proposition to, I think, what we were really ready for and focused on in, in the world of HR 10 to 15 years ago, which was really process optimization. And then how do you structure your marketing team to, to go after those accounts? For us, if we think about the demand process, what we are really focused on is not just demand capture, but also demand creation, right? I'm a huge believer that creating demand, it all starts with the story, right? So it's a story that's not just about your product, but about a fundamental shift in the market, right? Something that is either creating your category or accelerating it, something that's fundamentally impacting your buyer and you know the, the, the way they go about their role on a day-to-day basis. And you know, for us this is this is the focal point, I think marketing, we cover so much, right, in in a kind of modern strategy, it's very easy to end up siloed. So for us, what, what we focus on is the integration of the different groups in marketing, right? And I think this is best articulated when we think about kind of the the, the, the integrated campaign strategy that's, that's so core to the way we go to market. So that's what's the big message? What's the big story that we think is is most relevant to our audience? And that's you know, in line with our point of view on the market? How do we, you know, ensure that there's internal alignment around that story? How do we create a go-to-market drumbeat around that story? And then how do we bring that to life across different programs, different channels, different teams? And how do we make sure it's not a sort of one and done, but something that we're committed to for a significant period of time? Because I think if you get the storytelling right and you know, if you're able to tie the different channels and programs together in a way that is consistent, clear, you know, not just for the external audience, but also for internal teams, it can really be a force multiplier for demand. I think we often think about optimizing and making incremental changes to channels and to conversion rates. And sure, that's important. But in a world where I think there's increasing commoditization of a lot of these things, particularly with AI, for me, what is a differentiator is is really great, clear, authentic storytelling that that allows you to lead with value in the market. And if you're doing that, then I think you're giving yourself a significant opportunity to be successful. What would you say is a, is is Ben's marketing strategy for Beamery? This might sound like an oversimplification, but I think there are three key areas of a successful marketing strategy. One is to build a brand that customers love. The second is to generate and and capture demand and create revenue. And the third is to to build and tell a compelling story about the product and the market, right? So for us, there's obviously always 
permutations of that, right? Things that are important at different times, but it really comes back to those fundamental pillars. Now, if we look, sort of start to peel back the layers of the onion a little bit, and we think about, okay, the market that we have at Beamery, we're really focused on, you know, the, the Fortune 500, right? The world's largest organizations. And that allows us to invest more in programs that are focused on, on personalization for different smaller segments of accounts. It allows us to invest in creating custom experiences for those accounts, be those online or offline. And it allows us to, to work really closely with the different parts of the go-to-market organization to build engagement in those accounts and, and obviously to try and convert them into, into sales opportunities and revenue. I think for me, it's always helpful to have those principles to fall back on. I think for us, capturing demand, turning those accounts into, into prospects and opportunities, and then when they become customers, helping them understand and evaluate how Beamery can add the most impact to their organization is the focus. Any other sort of thoughts on, on strategy here before we get into to our tactics? I think one of the most overlooked areas of of marketing is the the role of the internal role of marketing, right? Mm. There's so much focus, and I think particularly now in a more resource constrained environment, there's so much focus on on the external doing more with less, you know, creating the same types of revenue outcomes, but but doing it with less budget or whatever it might be. We have to remember that you know, every organization that we work at is a living organism, right? And you know, many of these organizations are going through change, changing strategy, you know, changing product message. And marketing has, a, has an amazing opportunity to be the internal communications engine, right? That reminds people of the mission of the business, that brings people back to the product strategy, that brings people back to the why of the organization, that provides a you know a pedestal for executives to share kind of the strategy of their different areas because I think it's so easy to 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 mistake receipt of information for understanding of information, right? And you know, we look at all of the sort of Forrester data around the number of touch points it create you know takes to create some kind of brand impression and the fact that those are going up. Well, the same thing is 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 often true of the internal audience, right? So I, I think that Marketing is, is 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 a really important partner in terms of that internal communication strategy, and you know to repeat the message, to to drive understanding of the strategy, and to make sure folks are, are really keenly aligned around the priorities. I think is something that never gets enough focus for marketing organizations. And then just one other sort of question is obviously you've been there for a long time yep. at Beamery. And you've seen sort of the evolution of this company, you know, grow into into unicorn status. Any other thoughts of just like, you know, being at an organization for so long and seeing those growth phases sort of happen and having to like level up each time as a marketer, level up your marketing team and level up your sort of positioning in the market? The role of a marketing leader at the different phases of, of company growth are, are fundamentally very different. In the early stages, you know, you are trying to, you're trying to test and validate both product direction, but also messaging and also, you know, go to market and channel fit. And I always equate this phase to sort of hand to hand combat. I think at this point, 
you know, hiring is different, right? Often you're trying to bring in undiscovered talent because, you know, particularly at the early stage, you know, the perfect candidate with the perfect resume, you know, why would they come and join your business? Often you're looking for the skills, right? The attitude, the, the traits that you feel will make someone successful. I think as you start to, to build momentum, then it becomes, okay, well, what are the one or two big channels we want to take a bet on? What's our point of view around the market? How do we tell a, a story that is distinctive and that is, that is genuinely different? How do we start to work more effectively across the go-to-market organization to drive some efficiencies of scale? And then obviously, as you continue to scale, a lot of it becomes around operationalizing different strategies. So what is the thing that you do on the first day of the quarter, the 10th day of the quarter, the 30th day of the quarter to really run an effective revenue strategy? And what is the role that marketing plays within that? Obviously, none of this is possible without hiring fantastic leaders, right? And I'm obviously lucky to have some some amazing folks in the team that have, have driven a lot of the success we've been able to have as a, as a company. You have to be very open to change, right? Leading through these different stages. And you have to be aware that you may have to morph your role, the things you do, your attitudes, your day-to-day every three months to be successful. Such a unique position that you're in, that you've been in. And so it's cool to, cool to hear that. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. All right, let's go to the playbook. This is what's great about sports. This is what the greatest thing about sports is. You play to win the game. Hello? You play to win the game. This is where you open up that playbook and talk about the tactics that help you win. What are your three channels or tactics that are your uncuttable budget items? The first is digital. And when I say digital, I don't purely mean kind of acquisition or direct response channels. I think we as as marketers today have an amazing opportunity to innovate across digital. And, you know, for us, particularly selling into an enterprise audience, you know, the focus is creating a, a consistent, clear, but also a personalized experience across the online channels that, that we work through. We do a lot to create a digital surround of our top accounts, ensure that the messaging that they see online is personalized to their industry, to their pain points, sometimes even to their account, right? And that we're sending them to different personalized landing pages or sources of content and you know, we're following through that experience with the way that our BDR team are reaching out to them. So I, I think that's that's the first investment area. I think our our strategy around digital will change, right? I think, you know, we're probably moving towards one that is more focused on storytelling versus direct lead generation. There's a couple of reasons for that, which we can certainly get into. But as a grouping, I, I think you have to be optimizing that in today's world and you have so many tools that make it easier than ever. I think the second one for us is our our community programs. And we have two different primary lenses here. We have what we do with customers. So our regional user groups, CAB, and this is amazing, right? Because customers love to come together. They love to talk about best practices. They love to hear from other customers. And, you know, every time we do these events, people leave with their sort of beamery batteries charged up, right? And they leave with new friends, they leave with new connections. And we always have a, a string of customers, you know, who are putting up their hand to host the next one, right? So those have been fantastic and we're looking to continue to invest and scale in those. But then we also have kind of significant global community events. So we've for the last five or six years run a annual thought leadership conference called Spark Live. This has been, I mean, often 
largely by virtue of the pandemic, something that we moved online. But it's an amazing opportunity to bring our community together, to elevate our customers. We do our customer awards at this, at this show as well. We have customer speakers. We bring in analysts. And, you know, we've, I think, successfully made it one of the primary shows in our industry for, for thought leadership and for sort of future-facing content around the industry. And I think the third lens we have with community is partners. So we're lucky to have deep partnerships with some of the big players in our space. So that might be Workday or SAP or, or Microsoft. And we've been able to tap into their community either, either through sort of shared events or through kind of smaller programs as well. And that's been a real Archimedes level for us in terms of being able to add more value to a lot of the programs that we have in market already. The final piece, I think particularly with the acceleration of AI, every organization has an opportunity around content and creative, but the opportunity is incumbent upon raising the bar and picking a few mediums that you want to, to go deep or to win on. I think AI brings everyone up to a certain level, right? It makes it easy to create content, right? And I put some inverted commas around that for folks yeah. listening in, but it doesn't help you do the things that are totally unique, right? It doesn't help you do this medium, right? At least for now. <laughs> but, you know, for, for companies that are willing to take the time to invest in that, take the time to invest in unique storytelling, I think that's going to become rarer and rarer, just given the fact that it's going to be so easy to go from zero to one with AI. So I think that can be something that is a significant opportunity for businesses, and it's something that we're trying to focus on. So zooming in on community, I, I think it's yeah. super interesting that you know community is a huge bucket for y'all. Obviously, when you're selling like Fortune 500 and big accounts, and anytime you're selling enterprise, that who you're getting in the room is like so much more important than if you're selling like SMB or something like that, where like, you know, Fortune 500s look to their peers more than the average, right? So I, that makes sense to me, obviously. But sort of all the different types of community engagement type things that you're doing is really interesting. And having sort of, you know, looking at at, at not just one type of thing, but but looking at it from a bunch of different angles, including partners as part of a community play how do you see like your investments in community how do you make those investments in community we're a business that's looking to build a new category right and i think that puts and maybe additional focus on community and one of the reasons we think about this as a multi-layered exercise is that my belief is that for category creation to be successful you need to have a, a hero of your category right and that can't be the C-level executive that everyone else is trying to reach, <laughs> right? And for us, it was the sort of the person we saw that was kind of underserved, but also critical to where the industry was heading was the, and we initially looked at this person as sort of talent operations, right? The operational leader that sits at the heart of the different systems that are being implemented on the talent and HR side. Mm -hmm. So when we actually started with community, we really focused in on this person. You know, we built a podcast for them. We built a, a string of different learning materials. We built a, you know, certification. We really went all in. And I think that helped us create an understanding and awareness of Beamery in, in the person that was going to be 
both a natural champion, but also a natural implementer of our product. But that's not sufficient, right? Because as you say, selling to large organizations, the level that you're at within businesses is, is hugely important. When it comes to these sort of more senior level community strategies, we use a couple of kind of key tactics. One is actually advisor-led, right? So we work with a number of advisors at Beamery that have very strong communities at the CXO type level, right? And they either run events, which we can be a part of, or they're able to make really helpful connections either to our CEO or to one of our founders or, you know, at, at critical junctures in the sales process. The other is what we do with our thought leadership and customer programs. We strategically make asks or create opportunities for leaders at both our customers, but also target prospect accounts to contribute or to be part of thought leadership campaigns. So Spark Live, which I mentioned, which is our annual conference, is the biggest example there. And what we'll do is we'll either invite folks to speak or we will, you know, encourage them to apply for certain awards, all based on, you know, where they might fit in terms of prioritization. It's just interesting sort of thinking about it all as community and making bets on the different mm -hmm. sort of pieces that you do there. I always felt like your user conference is, is like one of the most uncomfortable budget items because where else could you do that, right? There's no... There's no sort of like other way that you could have the type of serendipity and and large scale interactions and and you know do all that stuff, but it's also like a crazy expensive thing. And so I think people have sort of been figuring out like other ways to to shape the community. But I think what's tough about that is like what your customers want and how you serve them versus getting a couple of those customers in the room with your prospects or with people just generally who want to be better in that talent operations type role. You know, there's a bunch of different ways that you can invest your dollars that way, whether it be, you know, experiential or content based or sending them fun stuff in the mail, make it t-shirts. Like there's all sorts of different things that you can do to like elevate that community and, and help them do their jobs better. Yeah, look, a hundred percent. And the reality is no one is buying your product because they want, you know, a new piece of technology. They're buying your product because they want a new set of outcomes for their business or they want to get promoted, right? And our job as an organization is to help them achieve that set of outcomes. We're successful if our champions get promoted, right? And that's what we want to see as a business. What about something that you're not going to be investing in over the course of next year? I think about this in, in a few ways. So there are areas where we're dialing back. One of the areas where we are reducing some investments is trade shows, right? I think we as marketers have been told this, been told this lie, right, for the last, I mean, however long, really, that you are conspicuous by your absence at these trade shows, right? Yeah, right. Therefore, you need to be there, you need to be there with the booth, and, you know, what if you're not, right? For us, if we look at the ROI we get from these shows, you know, some it's good, some it's bad, right? I, I think we'll be looking to dial back on some of the sort of traditional shows in the industry where, you know, people are, are there with the big booth to be there versus there to generate a certain outcome. The other thing that I'm I'm bearish on going to next year is a lot of kind of classic classic lead gen channels. This is nuance, right? Because bringing new names, new contacts, new leads into the database is important. And those contacts being aligned with our ICP and with the personas we're trying to sell to is again important. I think though, if you, if you take a step back and look at 
the conversion rates from some of these classic lead gen, lead gen channels to opportunity or even to net new revenue, they're infinitesimal, right? So I think we as marketers need to think about, okay, where do we get the most leverage? And how can we use the channels we have to create an understanding of, of the category that we're in or the story that we have as a business or um, the problems that we solve? And then how do we have a really focused go-to-market effort to come over the top of that, right? And to drive demand because just relying on leads coming in and qualifying the lead and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, the very sort of classic sort of inbound marketing motion is, is not sufficient. It's interesting that you say that because you have such an enterprise motion and you have such a community-led motion where it's like, I would way rather tell my customers stories far and wide than, than try to like capture people's email addresses. You know what I mean? Like, and, and if you ask C-level executives, stuff like that, and if you put them in rooms with each other to catch up with their peers, like, oh yeah, I saw your face all over. You know, like this is like the, the old Salesforce playbook of like, you know, if you put someone's face at Moscone that's 80 feet tall, it's like, it sparks conversation, right? It's like, yeah, hey, I saw you. I've seen your face everywhere. Like that works, that play works every time. How do you view your website? Our website is is very much our shop window, right? I kind of view it in with two specific priorities, right? Number one, it needs to tell a clear story. And, you know, anyone that lands on the website should be able to understand what Beamree is and the value that it can add. Obviously, there are going to be nuances that, you know, our core audience, you know, it's going to be more relevant to them. But anyone, any business persona should be able to understand the value that we can add to their organization. The second is obviously we need to be able to provide different journeys or experiences for different types of people, right? There needs to be a, an opportunity to explore the website, the resources, the thought leadership we have in a way that's contextual for the problems that someone might have, right? That navigation experience needs to needs to be available and in, in front of mind. We don't right now invest in sort of, you know, deep personalization or a lot of A-B testing. Being an enterprise business, obviously you're not experiencing maybe like Amazon homepage levels of traffic, right? So right. it means that testing, you know, red button versus blue button is maybe going to give you less interesting data, but we're certainly focused on how we provide the right experience. Let's get to the dust up. Uh-oh. Here comes Trevor. You may have heard that there was a dust-up involving yours truly. And now we've got a wild scrum with fights breaking out all over the place. And it is getting really ugly. As we've got punches and kicks. This is where we talk about healthy tension, whether that's with your board, your sales teams, your competitor, or anyone else. How do you approach disagreements with folks, Ben? I think it comes back to having a, a clear business-first mentality, right? What is the right thing for the organization? And how do we start the conversation with that in mind? I think then there's a lot of context that's important, right? So I think particularly with, with kind of dust-ups or disagreements with different executives, often that comes down to people fighting the corner of their team, right? And I think an executive team is successful if the executive team is their first team, right? They're not a representative of marketing or of sales or of, of HR. They are a, a member of the, of the top team, right? And, and, and they need to have that mentality. How do you think about partnering with sales and generating wins? Yeah, so I think, look, a lot of it comes down to clarity 
of of goals, right? And transparency in terms of communication. So number one, we all need to be looking at the same data, right? The go-to-market organization in general is very metriced, right? And I think the sales and marketing relationship is successful when it becomes focused not just on the data, but also the operating rhythm, right? So what what do we do on the first day of the quarter? How do we you know, adapt strategies on the 10th day of the quarter if the data is telling us something different, right? And then to come back to this idea of communication, right? I do think it's essential for marketing leaders to think about how they can adjust communication to different stakeholders within sales. I don't think it's purely the relationship that you have with a CRO, right? Or or even the kind of regional sales leadership. I think it also comes down to how you how you think about communicating where you work with the field, right? And really, you know, I encourage the folks on the team to think through you know, what's in it for the seller at the end of the day, right? Like, why, why should they care about what we are sharing? And that's not, that's not designed to be cynical, right? But ultimately, what we need to do is provide things that help Beamer as a company win, right? And the information we share needs to be couched in that context. How do you measure success? I think as a marketing leader, you can end up as a little bit of a hostage to data, right? Because you can measure everything. You have to come back to a couple of core metrics. For us, pipeline is the the biggest driver of success. And we have leading indicators that we'll look at, specifically, you know, the number of net new meetings that we're creating and conversion rates associated with the different stages of the funnel. We'll slice that by channels, but ultimately it comes back to, are we creating enough pipeline to be successful in the future? And is that pipeline conversion? All right, let's get to our final segment, quick hits. These are quick questions and quick answers, just like how Qualified helps companies generate pipeline quickly. You can go to qualified.com to learn how to tap into your greatest asset, your website, to identify your most valuable visitors and instantly start sales conversations. Quick and easy, just like these questions, go to qualified.com to learn more. Ben, quick hits, are you ready? I'm ready, let's do it. Number one, do you have a hidden talent or skill that's not on your resume? I'm a fairly solid cook. I can whip up, you know, a, a range of different meals. Baking is where it falls apart because I'm not great at following recipes, but I would say that's probably the one. Do you have a favorite book, podcast, or TV show that you'd recommend? I'll give you, I'll give you maybe one that hasn't come up before. So I would heavily recommend a four, soon to be five part biopic of Lyndon Johnson. Mm. It's by a guy called Robert Caro, who is broadly recognized as one of the best historical biographers ever. And it's an incredible journey through his his life, you know, how he came to power, and an amazing understanding of someone who I think is a hugely important figure in, in 20th century history. I listened to it on Audible. I didn't read it. I think folks should be prepared that each book is at least 40 hours long. So it's oh a real commitment, but I would highly recommend that. I think the other that's top of mind is on a totally different note, which is Outlive, which is a new book by Peter Ertia about longevity. And that's a whole different kettle of fish, but also very interesting. What is your best piece of advice for a first time head of marketing? No one is going to look out for your well-being apart from yourself. And you need to take the time to do the things that will give you mental clarity 
whether that's you know exercise, time with family, meditation, whatever it might be, but you have to prioritize that yourself. Ben, wonderful chatting with you. Always great catching up and really fun finally having you on the show. Everybody should go check out, go to bmarie.com. They have obviously very cool marketing and also talent lifecycle management. Go, go nudge your CHRO or your chief people officer and tell them to check it out. Ben, any, any final thoughts here? No, look, I think you've done it for me. That's a, a great little CTA. I appreciate it. Um, but no, it's been a great conversation and, and I'd love to catch up and, and talk about it. It's great. Awesome. Thanks so much and take care. Thanks again. Thanks again to our friends at Qualified.com, a conversational sales and marketing platform that transforms the way B2B companies sell. Go to Qualified.com to learn more.